0: it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league.
1: Dodgich pulls off three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dodgich wins the game at the buzzer!
0: Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered.
1: Zion for four, for four!
0: The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level.
1: Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony
0: Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Coast to coast. It's been a minute. Good to see you again, my friend. Rona. how are we doing? You ready to talk some basketball today?
1: I am. I'm, I'm excited to talk some basketball today. It's been a, it's been a, feel, it feels like it's been forever. I think it's only been been a bit, been about a week, but uh, it feels like a while since, since, since we've spoken. and uh, things are getting a bit interesting as we head towards uh, the final few games of the regular season.
0: Yeah, man. Let's, let's jump into a little drama first. Let's no, no delays. I, I had my reaction to it. Uh, this is, Maybe a few days ago now, LeBron getting all upset about the uh, the playing tournament. We're gonna to talk about that a little bit later. But I, I want to know what you how you felt about that when he's he's saying whoever came up with this idea needs to be fired. Like, what was your first reaction to that?
1: It's just kind of like it, it's just so funny that. For the fur when he first heard that this was a thing, and um, for the first kind of two, three months of the season, he didn't give the playing tournament the second thought because he's like, not a, <laughs> not a hope in hell we're gonna have to worry about that. So who cares what other teams have to deal with? And now he's realizing, oh shit, we might actually have to play that. I don't need any extra games to get in the playoffs. So now this is just the stupidest idea ever. It's just a way. It's it's always gonna be. It's you don't give it a second thought when you think you're gonna be a top. Uh, a top five top six team but then when you actually have to consider the fact that you might actually have to play in it you're like what the hell why isn't it like the way it's always been I, I, i'm finishing the top eight I, i'm automatically in the playoffs what the hell's going on that's just the way that's the way it's gonna gonna go for everyone it seems really
0: i mean I, I had a lot of reactions to it and like that and that's how i justified it in my mind i was like okay i guess i kind of get it like you don't want to deal with the risk of injury like a lot can happen in a one game elimination I mean, all it takes is a rolled ankle, a um, couple fouls here and there. I mean, it's, it's a game of runs, and anything can happen in one game of basketball. But, I mean, that, that's the whole point of it. And here's my thing with LeBron, man, and this has been my gripe with him forever. I, I've definitely come around. I'm, I'm not the, the, the Chicago LeBron Heat hater that I, that I was before. I have huge respect for him as a person. But, dude, on the court and sometimes with basketball – the biggest thing that separates him from MJ and being the greatest of all time is he just doesn't stop complaining. He doesn't just like, he doesn't just take the onus of being the best player in the league. And just, cause I mean, we all agree. I, I honestly see if he's going to be in the playing tournament, if he's playing, they're going to win. It's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But like he, it always has to be, you know, he's got to complain to the refs. He's got to flop. He's got to do stuff like this. And, Listen, it, all the greatest of all time debates. Most of them I hate, but when it comes to like the killer attitude that MJ had, that he would just destroy people and not ever complain about anything. I mean, do look at what he faced against teams like the the Pistons, the Bad Boy Pistons. When you complaining about that? You get right up. I mean, yeah. LeBron, LeBron no, doesn't no, have no, that no, same.
1: No, no, no. The reason that he wasn't complaining then is that he had no right to complain then. <laughs> and they hadn't done anything yet when he was when he was going up against the bad boy pistons he was he was he was still kind of he was only just coming into his own when when that happened so that's why i think he wasn't complaining too much then but i think it is fair enough uh, i think that's just it's just the modern the modern way is really is it's it's more of seen as like okay to just to be able to complain when you get to it, like a certain level and you instead of just just being you and just going out there and destroying any problems that come your way you kind of just you, you 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 have the platforms now to just be able to to moan and complain that that little that little bit more not going to say that uh, i never seen mj complain now we'll go won't go that far. <laughs> well not to the
0: dude not to the degree i do i do LeBron... i
1: do take, i do take the point i do take the point <laughs> and I, I think that's just come with the modern time unfortunately yeah, that's just the way the way it is with with social media and the conversations that are had and now it's just it's just got that way where you're just kind of like once you get to a certain level, it's it's a it's almost you 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 think in your head that it's okay for you to just complain, get, get every call. But I mean, like, that's, it way. it's kind of interesting that like he would moan as much as anyone, but the the technical fouls that he gets against them wouldn't be wouldn't be very much high. Like you look at Luca, Luca does a lot of complaining. And he's got he's got his ass handed to him with technical fouls. And oh stuff. my! He's <laughs> he's
0: now what one one technical away eh. from a suspension. Yeah. So, here's the thing: if they are, um, if they're gonna be in the plan, I mean that, that's another thing. If say he gets one more technical, yeah. and he's not there for a plan, or he's he's not there to keep them out of the plan, there's a lot of ways that this is gonna go. But losing Luca for how many? Is it one game mandatory game? Yeah, after through, that, and yeah, then through. after that, it's like uh, what three or three games? I'm, I'm forgetting now, yeah. but just one game right now. I mean, without Luca, I don't think Mazda are getting that win. That, that, something like that. Um, but just t- talking about um, a guy I want to quickly talk about, um, because we're talking about perceptions here, especially in the league, um, is Russell Westbrook. I mean, R- Russell Westbrook's going to own the triple double record by the end of the season. And he's probably going to own it for a long, long time until probably Luca takes it later on in his career. Um, Which actually might be sooner than we think but Russell Westbrook has just been absolutely demonized by the media media he's always been looked at as a me first type of guy he's always been looked at as a low IQ guy and I mean a lot of this you know kind of echoes from early takes on the kind of player he was early on in his career the kind of player he was when nobody when Durant left and it was just him and everybody else um I don't know. You 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 said it that you know the team matters and you know the media doesn't matter, but it's it's crazy that in the midst of a such a historical run over the past five, six, seven seasons of Russell Westbrook, that we haven't had the chance to really celebrate him as a player,
1: yeah,
0: as we should, because of of the constant debate that's being fueled that it like is Russell Westbrook even a good like a winning player, and I just think that's absurd.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's, it's been a lot of talk now over the, over the last last while on on this uh, on this uh, topic, and just it it is crazy when you think about it because just how elite he's been, and it it's like it's almost like we're blaming him for putting up such good stats. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of the way that that it fe- that it feels like it is to me. Like we're, we're 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 like annoyed at him because he's playing so well, and then you kind of think about it as like. That's just crazy. Like, if, like if Luca was putting up these triple-doubles, we'd be just, oh, we'd be, Ah, oh, this guy's the greatest guy ever. He's, he's amazing. He's amazing. Like, same with, way with, with LeBron and uh, more than a, a few other people. But this guy has just been awesome. And, yeah, there's been times where you kind of look at him and you're like, he does seem that he's playing that a little bit more for himself. But the main reason that's come out is because he had to go through a period where he – he was the whole team. It's like the way Steph is at the moment with, with the Warriors. He had Absolutely. to be that guy. There was no, there was no other option. It was either that or just complete and abject failure. And um, but like the way it's working now, him and him and Beal, it, it, it's great. And you just have to. All you can say is you just got to put some respect on Russell Westbrook's name. You cannot, you cannot disrespect the game and the talent and caliber of player that he has been for his entire career. Really.
0: Yeah, I mean how. Steven Adams had career years with him. James Harden, did he get worse when he went there? Is Bradley Beal not having the best season of his career? Mm -hmm. Like the the idea that he's this this toxic, terrible teammate. I mean, Kevin Durant will even say that uh, he was one of his favorite too. I mean, he has to, he has to say that because that that is, is just objectively true. Anything else would just be a complete lie. And I mean, what, I don't understand what people want to, because look at how he deferred more in Houston and then people were like getting on him like, ah, oh, yes, he's still not a good uh, off-ball shooter. Well,
1: yeah,
0: th- that's not his game. I mean, he's definitely made strides to do that. And he did everything he could to be more of an off-ball cutter and um, playing off of James Harden when he wasn't uh, the lead guard on the floor. And then it's it's just crazy that the narrative didn't flip to, oh, look, Russell Westbrook's trying to do something. It's, it's oh, look, Russ is declining. Russ is not what he was before and he's doing the exact thing that the Rockets were, were asking him to do is, is, take a backseat to James Harden, but to see him thrive right now on the Washington wizards. I mean, we were looking at this early on in the season that this is the, this was going to be the death of Westbrook's career. He was going to go out to die in Washington and look that the, the wizards still aren't world leaders right now, but they're on a pretty crazy streak at the end of the season here. And I'd say out of any of the teams I'm looking at here in the play-in tournament, I'd have the most faith that with Beal and Westbrook playing the way they are, I'd, I think they're going to make it in. And I don't think they're going to be a fun seven-game series either. You got two superstars facing there. I think they've really flipped the narrative. in a, And I think what is one of the coolest stories in the NBA today, I mean, that nobody saw this at all. I, I don't think anyone was putting them in their predictions for the play-in tournament, let alone... Russell Westbrook continue to put up the numbers that he is now
1: yeah no it's been impressive and like they were on a, a similar sort of run when the, when the Knicks were going on their their great run was it 9-10 nine, nine, games that they won in a row I think the Wizards won 8 in a row in that spell and it was just because of the Knicks it was such a big thing that no one was people yeah. were barely even noticing just how well yeah. the Wizards were doing as well
0: we were like oh let's see if the rest of the season that, that this doesn't mean anything it's it's just a handful of games against bad teams but I mean they're, they're like you said they're showing it again
1: yeah, but it's it's they it, they they're, they're kind of the key one now. It's just with those two guys especially in one-off games that that's what the play-in tournament will be. I I can't like the scoring power that Be and Westbrook bring. I just in a one-off game I just cannot see them not being favorites going up against any of the teams in the east in the playoffs or in the Yeah.
0: Bayern. We we won't uh, we're we're going to talk about that a little bit so we won't, we won't go too far into it, but uh I they're going to be a really interesting factor when when the play tournament comes around. Um but I, I want to. I want to also touch on. We, we've touched on this a few times uh, over the past few months. I don't know how you're still feeling about the Embiid MVP ticket. Are you, are you still on that train? Have you hopped off yet?
1: I'm just having to accept it. I'm having to accept it. It's just not going to be able to happen.
0: And it, it just. Kind of, I mean, for me, it just what it just comes down to a games played thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that is a, yeah.
0: it. issue. Jokic has has just. I mean, it's been obvious that he's been the reason why the Nuggets are where they're now. I mean, he's he's without him, they wouldn't be anywhere close to contention. And the the fact that the fact that the the MVP conversation isn't in full swing for you know, there's still people out there who are who are saying, and I don't listen to Nick Wright, man. And I don't want to I don't want to talk about the guys like Nick Wright, guys like Skip Bayless. I mean, these guys are all out there for. The hype and hot takes but um it influences like the the narrative and, and some people see this you know unathletic big guy who's has this unconventional basketball game I guess when we think about you know our LeBron James's our Kawhi Leonard's our super hyper athletic guys Jokic defies all those and he's his own type of player he's, he's doesn't fit any mold of any superstar so I mean that, that leads to these takes of like oh he's going to be the worst MVP in 35 years if he wins this year I mean, that's bogus. That's bogus. I mean, this guy is literally in the same statistical medal as guys like Will Chamberlain. I mean, the, the statistics he's putting up right now. I mean, in the beginning, I mean, he hasn't even – I mean, he, we're not talking about guys 28, 29, 30. He's in his mid-20s. I mean, this guy is going to be this good for a long time. He's just establishing his legacy. And I, I hope you've been watching some Nuggets recently. 'Cause the bounce back that they've they've had when we thought that maybe things are looking down without Murray, they look like a contending team still. And man, just think about it next year when Murray's healthy too.
1: Yeah, no, I think the, the future is definitely bright. And and of course, Jokic is a huge part of that. And it's kind of funny when you when you hear comments like that right? it's about like the, the the level of MVP that, that Jokic will be and all that stuff. And just just think of like the short memories that people have, like you think back to the fact that Steve Nash won won back to back MVP awards <laughs> and stuff like that, and you're like, "Oh yeah," and that was and he was the most dominant player in the league on the best team. No, he, won't. no, he, no, he was not. It was almost just kind of like he, he was efficient and he was sort of different, and that's kind of why people. Yeah,
0: that, we love that, different. Yeah, that, that's the thing that's with kind the, of the MVP, right?
1: That's why they went uh, for, for for Steve Nash, but like things like that, I. I and you hear you just see everything that Yogi's is doing the impact on his team the impact on winning the numbers that he's putting up and the fact that he's done it i think has he even missed a game this season if anything I, it's I been, it's been one, one maybe
0: yeah i can't remember i think he's missed maybe one but the 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 fact is um that all these all these uh, narratives are just really um i think ruining the game for me like the that we can't we can't look at things objectively across the league, and I mean, I, I think that's what I like about doing a podcast like this. We we get to um, really take an objective look at at teams across the league. We're not trying to put out hot takes. We're not trying to to do anything crazy like that or support one team or the other. Um, and I mean, like another guy, for example, I mean, Giannis is having another career year. He he's up in just about every stat. And assists per game, steals per game, blocks per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, turnover assist turnover ratio. I mean, I have everything. His points are down a little bit this year, but I mean, again, it's because he's he's playing more efficiently. And the fact that his name hasn't really been floated, I mean, besides, you know, Bucks Nation as, as MVP candidate, um, I mean, th- he's absolutely um, the reason. Whether 43 and 24, I mean, Drew Holiday's been great. Chris Middleton's been great. But Giannis continues to be the engine that, makes this team a contender in the East we'll see what they do in the playoffs but but man I, I think we're we're so in love with, with talking about the LeBrons so in love with, with talking about um, who who are used to being seen on the media that Jokic some people don't like it like he's a second round pick he's not this shiny shiny new toy and it, it's the the narrative hopefully ends after this season we'll see what the Nuggets do in, in the postseason but I think it'll be really interesting to see the the Nuggets be this small market team with a second round, weird, bearish Serbian dude who used to eat candy bars all day long, and this is a this is gonna be the face of the West at some point soon.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think that the mold was kind of broken. I think MJ was kind of like the last straw. He was the, MJ is the last guy to do do three MVPs in a row. I think. And it, it, it just kind of, it, it's kind of gotten to that way. They just, that's kind of, I think what affected Kobe as well. People didn't want to, to see another MJ just dominate the, the league. And that's why like Kobe Bryant had some unbelievable individual season that he still only won one MVP. And then it's you, crazy look, to me. You, you look at LeBron as well. Like obviously he had the the, the, the double back-to-backs so with the little one year gap in between, but it was kind of the similar sort of thing. It was like, they didn't want to give him the award. They wanted somebody else to do it. And that's what's happening with Yanis. We're seeing it again this year. He's having another unbelievable year, but he's not even in the conversation. Like we gave it to you those two years. We we can forget about you now. We gotta we gotta move on to the to the new guy. And it, it's kind of just it's a weird narrative that that just becomes it's almost you, you start to expect greatness out of these guys, no matter what they put up, they've already done it. So yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in the playoffs. We're not gonna worry about you for, for the MVP anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's uh I, I wonder like the the voting system like you know we, we talked plenty about voting in uh american democracy last year which in the <laughs> the last election too <laughs> and voting has all of its uh, pros and cons it makes things interesting and there's a lot of subjectivity to it you know people like different things and and that's the biggest thing right if you have a guy who's new on the block he's succeeding and he's coming into a superstar level doing something different. That's always going to be more appealing to the media as opposed to a guy who's just won back-to-back MVPs and Giannis and is doing the same thing over and over again. It's it's I guess a, a one-trick pony of being that good for that long that LeBron, Giannis, these guys are not gonna, I don't think they're gonna win another MVP. I don't I don't think Harden's gonna win another MVP. I don't think if you at this point the, the way that how many new stars there are that it's going to be hard for them to ever get back into that real contention because so they've, they've already won it um what, what do you what do you think about the rookie of the year race so far i think both are who i, I forget who is who is your pick I, my pick what? was was your boy
1: yeah uh, i'll be helping you Was your <laughs> pick I, I i went i went hella safe but i went uh... i went with lamello I think the injury might just curb him from getting it, but he's since he's been back, he's been he's been pretty yeah
0: hard. right when he right where he left off. I mean, he just he just scored. Uh, I mean, albeit against Orlando, twenty seven points, two assists, six rebounds, six assists. I mean, he's just always filling up the box. I mean, if he's not scoring, the thing is he's always facilitating. Um, but, oof, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, forty two points, eight rebounds, six. Uh, assists or seven assists um, against the Grizzlies, and he and he did it on seventy five percent shooting. He's the first NBA rookie to score forty plus points on eight plus threes on seventy five percent shooting. I mean, I, I still am not a huge believer in his jump shot. I still think it still has a hitch to it. But dude, he he's starting to really get a feel for how to use his athleticism. I think we kind of saw he didn't use it that well in the first couple months of the season like you'd see him obviously hit open lanes but he's learning that he can really start to to use his body to get to get into the lane and play make for others and and he's doing it now i'm actually really interested to see if he can hit his prime sooner than some of these other guys
1: yeah, I think he's going to be an interesting one to watch. I'm really kind of excited to see what he's like after a full preseason and a full offseason mm-hmm. season to to rest up and, and really work on his game and then come back. But a, almost a, pro- a proper beginning, he didn't really get that in in his rookie year. So it's really, I'm really excited to see see what what sort of level he comes at uh, for the beginning of next year. But he, he he started, he's had some unbelievable games this year and. More so the second half of the season, I think obviously Lamelo going down with that injury has helped him, but he he's he's certainly taken the reins and he's looked like a Rookie of the Year over over the past couple of months.
0: Absolutely, and so post All Star break, he's averaging just under twenty four points, five point five rebounds, three point two assists, one point five steals. I think that watching him, he's he's been he's been better defensively. He, he's still not you know on ball defense though. When, when you watch him, he's engaged. He's going to be a very good defender if, if coaching is the thing that gets him to be a two-way player I mean I think I think Anthony Edwards is going to be an immediate star I mean if, if if we see him being engaged defensively even if his offensive game if his offensive game stays the way it is right now and he just is fully engaged defensively next year I mean that's a jump that takes him from being a really dynamic rookie right now to being a very very impactful player for a guy that for a team that cat needs to be good right now. Yeah, I like mean we've, we've talked about that all year long. But Anthony Edwards, we looked at it as oh, this is a project guy. He's got so much athleticism. He's got shot making ability. He got some interesting playmaking, But you know he's shown enough flashes this year where I, I think you know maybe he can do this a lot sooner than people thought.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be the the, one, the the interesting one to keep an eye on, and obviously it will. It'll be another interesting one, uh, as we'll talk later, whether or not the the T Wolves end up end up keeping their pick. We'll we'll see what way that they end up mo- moving around the roster uh, come come the offseason as well. Yeah, and I,
0: let's let's talk about some of these teams. A lot of teams looking outside, a lot of teams looking inside the play in tournament. There's going to be a lot of volatility. We already talked about LeBron complaining about it, and plenty of teams right now are are in danger of being outside of the playoffs. Um, you want to start in the West or the East? I mean, I, I think the, the West right now is looking like, I, I don't know what's going to show up because you have, I mean, the the Mavs are, are coasting into the fifth seed. It looks like, but you got the Spurs fighting for their lives, man. And, and the Pelicans looks like they're, they're out of it. Now that Zion had mm. his, his injury. Um, Dave Griffin, by the way, I, I mean, that, that was just ridiculous for him to say that
1: oh, yes. they're not
0: protecting Zion. I mean, dude. I mean, his 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 entire shot diet is in the paint, and he broke his finger on the rim. <laughs> do, do, do you want to put foam around the rim? Like, what, what do you want to do for Zion? It's yeah, I don't know
1: what I don't know what he was hoping to achieve with with that with that comment. It was just it was just a load of a load garbage, like all of garbage. And <laughs> I saw that, I was like, "What the hell? Are you, what are you smoking, man?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> but and then. Uh, and then not not just that. I mean, obviously you have the uh, you have the Lakers right now. If if it, playing playing tomorrow, they're they're right there in it. But the the Blazers, that they're gonna have to do somewhere to stay in. Um, where do you see this going right now? There's there's so many ways that this could play out.
1: Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I think I think it's almost set the, the teams that are gonna be in it. I think it's just a question between. Who takes the sixth spot? Who gets in automatically between the Lakers and Portland? Because I think the Spurs have got got two and a half games on um on, on the Pelicans, and I just think that that without without Zion, I just don't think they're going to have enough to 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 overcome that in the in the last five games. And I think uh, uh the Warriors and Memphis are kind of uh, in similar sort of spots, but it's it's gonna like obviously the Portland had a huge win against the Lakers last night. That was that was massive for them. Luckily, they had they had AD back, the Lakers, and he put up he had a big game, but they're just not getting the sort of production levels out of some of their kind of uh low-key guys, the likes of Kuzma, and those sort of guys this year that they were last year. Obviously, any team is going to be massively affected when you miss you're missing AD for 35 games, missing LeBron for 24 games. It's gonna have a massive impact on any team, but it's really showing great impact that the likes of like Rondo, Danny Green, Dwight Howard had on this Laker team last year and the highlight and the lack of production we're getting out of some of the role players on the Lakers team this year.
0: Do you remember when Rob Polinka and the Bussies thought that Kuzma was better than Brandon Ingram? I remember that. Yeah. I still remember that. (laughs) Kuzma I mean in his own right I mean he's doing so much better defensively and he's still a really good rebounder but he's not going to be that go-to guy in there and they're, i think without schroeder now that he's going to be um gone for at least another what seven to ten days i that, think yeah. he's went on protocol uh last week uh early this week rather um they need that third score and i i think obviously they're going to be fine. lebron's going to come back in they're not lebron's not going to let them lose again but that that is going to be real stressful i mean who they, if they stay in seventh place and they face the Warriors, I mean, you gonna tell me that that Curry doesn't have the chance to drop fifty, drop sixty? I mean, Curry on any given night can beat anybody in the league. Doesn't matter who. And LeBron very well, very well knows that. Um, I mean, if 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 somehow the Grizzlies sneak into eight, I mean, I I I, I don't worry too much about that. Um, the Spurs, however. I, I I think, you know, the the most interesting team for me right here, even with all their injuries right now, the Kings have just been pulling wins out of their ass. And the Kings actually, they, they have an outside shot. I mean, they face Memphis twice, OKC twice, and they do face the Jazz. But the Spurs, they're facing Milwaukee, Brooklyn, New York, best team in the league, and Phoenix twice. I, I, I think the Spurs are on the way out. I think the Kings are going to actually find themselves in the 10th seed there. So I mean, if they're yeah. if it's if it's the Kings and Grizzlies, I mean, it's not impossible that the Kings find their way in the playoffs this year. There's there's a path.
1: Yeah, it is possible. I I I, st- I think that last night might have just been the last the last blow for for the Kings. Obviously, they have the favorable record in the remaining games but that loss to the Spurs was a bit that would definitely be a blow to them just even their mentality for for the last few games of the season but they should know that the Pelicans are down their main man and they should definitely be be confident and they should be positive that they could very likely if they're going to show their anything they could very easily win their final five games they're very winnable games especially the fact that the Jazz they might even be resting players yeah, for that for that final game, you, you don't really know, or just the fact that they'll likely be already the the, the, the number one seed as well, which would be big for them. They 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 won't be playing at at hundred percent like they have. Hey, been. If, if if
0: bogey's dropping fifty points, you know you're not <laughs> stopping that. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> there you, you go. <laughs> but uh, I, I, yeah. I didn't have any more words for it for bogey. Just, <laughs> I'm just thinking thinking the chance in my head at the free throw line.
1: <laughs> But, uh, that would that would be an interesting one because you kind of hope you, you want to see kind of a team from the kind of the outskirts break in. That's something that I don't think is really possible in the uh, in the east, but you know the West we always say that it's the most competitive conference and the, and, and and it's looking that way yet again and it, and it would be a great story if we, if the kings were able to to win at least four of the the last uh, five obviously I think they probably would need to win all, all five, but if they're able they to even get four, four wins out of that final five games and just put the pressure on the Spurs. Cause that's all they can really deal with this time.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think the, the Kings should definitely be, be pushing that. Cause I, I don't see the Spurs surviving that stretch. I mean, they've, they've played well, but I mean, they, they're dealing with injuries now as well, but if, if the Kings make it in, that would be such a, a marker of team success for them, especially not having uh, Fox right now. Um, and DeLon Wright well I mean it it was a weird pickup for me because you already had Fox you already had Halliburton DeLon Wright's your your third combo guard and I mean he's being he's filling an excellent role for them right now um currently killing me in fantasy in the final two games (laughs) here in the championship but um and the way I'm looking at the lottery too I mean the Kings don't need another lottery pick. I mean, they, they should, this is a team that should, is very comfortable with the young talent that they have that they can build around right now. Um, I mean, any, any team, you can split the fan base right in half when you're when you're floating around the 10th, 8th seed. That Half the fan base is going to want to roll the dice. The other half is going to want to get in. But I mean, you just paid De'Aaron Fox a big, big contract. You just found another gem in Halliburton. You want to see Marvin Bagley get to a place where he's actually playing meaningful games. Um, if they can get it to the playoffs, I, I hope that that's a galvanizing moment for this team and these young guys who, you know, just a couple of years ago, were looking like a squad. Um, the, the, the same way that we're kind of thinking about the Nuggets, thinking about the Suns. It, it wasn't just the, the Nuggets and Suns back then. It was also the Kings. I mean, those are three teams that we were thinking, okay, what team, what are, which of these teams are going to emerge as a, as a good team in the West? And obviously the Kings have been left quite in the dust at the moment, but it would be huge for them to, to actually get some uh, momentum this season to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the, that'd be a big thing. That would really, it's really going to show the ambition of, of the team. If uh, obviously uh, you don't really know kind of what the mindset is, you'd love to know what the mindset of the front office is, whether they're, I doubt they're going to really make any comments to the coach or the players, but if, if you'd wonder what they're thinking is at the moment, thinking, I really hope we push on and make to the playoffs or they're kind of like, "Eh, if we end up close (laughs) to the lottery again, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You kind of, you'd hope the fact that the players that they've got and the talent that they already have, they should be thinking it will be unbelievable for this team to experience playoff basketball at at this, at this time in the, in, in their career and their development.
0: Yeah, and if we know anything about the Kings, they're really bad at picking in the top five anyway. So as long as they're picking outside of there, they should be fine. Um, moving on to the East, um, and we talked about the Wizards a little bit. Um, the Pacers, who have just been in, in free fall since we were talking about them earlier in the season. It's funny, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, if you look back at all the different takes that you have and, and all the early trends in the season, we're looking at the Pacers like, man, are, are they uh, are they legit? Could they maybe be contender? We're not talking about. Could this Nate last name I can't pronounce? Could he be a potential coach of the year? And now they're talking about this guy might get canned if they don't make it into the playoffs. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, apparently he's got an f- extremely frosty relationship with almost everyone in the in the in the pacers <laughs> franchise. I don't know what the hell. That just seemed to come out of the blue almost. It, the Pacers are just such a franchise. You kind of always picture them just as that. That stable guy that steady guy they kind of always like what they have and they're always able to kind of uh always able to kind of uh, shoot shoot ahead of what, what what's expected of them but I mean this year it's just been a bit a real disappointment for them obviously they're 31 and 35 they currently sitting in in ninth place they're, they're looking they're fairly likely that they'll be in the uh in the playing tournament they've just really struggled for consistency but They've shown, like, look at that game. Obviously, it was only OKC, but they put up 152 points against OKC. And, I mean, they're capable of going off. They've got guys who can score the basketball. And, obviously, the off-court issues, obviously, aren't going to help. But when you look at the talent that they've got in the team, obviously, Levert's come back in after the the issues that he had. He's averaging 20 points, four boards, five assists. you got Sabonis, 20, 12, and 6. And you got Turner, obviously, he's had issues with... With uh, with injuries as he always seems to do, but on defense, like the man's a, just a rim protecting machine. They, they they've got a lot of talent there, and when you're looking at them, I would still look at them as a team you wouldn't really want to face in a one-off game.
0: Yeah, man let's let's go let's go get a trophy for uh, the Pacers putting up 150 against a team that's actively trying to lose every game. <laughs> but um, sure. <laughs> but I I would I would rather. I I don't know out of out of any of the teams I'm, I'm not that scared of the Pacers I'm, I'm not I'm not that scared of the Pacers compared to honestly the the Hornets or the Wizards I, I I even I would even put the Bulls there no no bias honestly no no bias I mean with with Levine and Vucevic um, that.
1: Don't worry, we will not have to we don't have to worry about them. It's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're not, why do you think we're talking about? The lottery. <laughs> we are right back where I started. Um uh, I what do you think about the Celtics? I mean, the, the Celtics, man, finding themselves right now. I mean, they're they're going to be probably taking their pick of whether it's going to be uh whether it's going to be the Pacers like you said if if they're if they're surging. I, I do believe they they do have the talent. They do have charisma, they do have brogdon they do have turner they do have sabonis and these are i think you know the the in a long season i i can't say that that um uh, the pacers have been on the radar since their their inconsistency has taken over and i think you know where there's smoke there's fire you had no smoke last year nate mcmillan was a steady hand i i if i had a vote i was picking him as as coach of the year the, the way that they were playing especially defensively um but again you don't see that same cohesiveness right now um and it's interesting that mcmillan got fired last year because they didn't push too far but i mean with the talent that they had it was kind of it didn't make sense to me i mean the co- the coaching um job is a very volatile position if you don't succeed right away a lot of a lot of teams are going to move on but for them to move on that quick, and then it seems like they're moving on quick again. And then there's an assistant coach was, was suspended and, and a player was um, also suspended for an altercation they had. I mean, just a lot of weird stories, like you said, coming out of this, this locker room. Um, I mean, the Celtics, I mean, if, if you're picking a team, I, I don't know. They beat Hornets two out of three, Wizards two out of three, um, Washington two out of three. I'm not sure what team they they'd rather face, as it it seems pretty, pretty apparent right now. As the Heat move up last night um, to sixth place, that they're going to be in the play-in tournament at this point.
1: Yeah, that's that 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 little battle between Miami and Boston is is going to be interesting. And the biggest thing is they play each other twice. So uh, in in the last in the last yep. five games, so yeah those games are going to are going to be really really crucial but i mean last night obviously they lost against uh, against the bulls jason tatum really showed that he is human after all had a real tough game worst real, game of the season game. worst arguably one of the worst games he's had since he's been in the league that's how good he's been but he just he just wasn't able to hit his shot at all and it's it was it was a it was a disappointing loss. I mean you look at that game as a as a winnable game. Obviously it was big for the Bulls that they had both Fitch and Levine back on the court. So obviously that's gonna have a have a big impact. But when you're looking at that from a Boston perspective, you're thinking that's a real that's a real blow and a really a game that they've let slip away from them.
0: Yeah, I mean just just talk about the game last night. Um Bulls played a fantastic game. Um Brett Brad, Brad Stevens trying to play the 2-3 zone with Taco Fall for a few minutes. And I uh, I I think, you know, that it was the worst decision of the game. Um cuz I mean Taco Fall was only out there I think for like uh 3-4 minutes, but that that was a point where the game was slipping and they decided to put out Fall and, I mean, the Bulls just went crazy from three. I mean, they, they moved the ball perfectly. They broke the zone. And Taco Fall is just too slow to, to do that. He's too slow to rotate out uh, to defend the perimeter. And just little decision like that. I mean, co- coaching-wise, you know, I, I I stand by by Brad Stevens for sure. Um, but little things like that were reflective of, of some of the personnel issues that they had in the playoffs last year against the Heat, for example, that – you know, that's going to kill them in the playoffs. I mean, you can, you can lose games against the Bulls and, and chalk it up to trap games in the regular season, but when you're playing the Heat, you're going to play any of these other playoff teams, those mistakes costing you games in a seven-game series, that's going, to be, that's going to be huge. And, I mean, talk about trap games. You have one chance to be one of these teams, and I wonder what that's going to do for the Celtics as an organization if they're in the playing tournament, and they face a team like the Wizards, and they get bumped. They're they're at, they're at home watching watching the playoffs. That's going to be such a such a weird way, but such a fitting way. Uh, talking to my Celtics friends out here, but really, I mean, I think the general consensus is that that would be such a fitting way for how the Celtics have competed this year.
1: Yeah, I think that's 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 very true, and I think it would. It would almost, it, it would just, it would really, it, it really would just kind of sum it up for everyone. Obviously, you were saying before that um, anything that, that that kind of happens this year, you can kind of take it with a grain of salt because there is a lot of talent they've got to the, the best young players in the NBA, in, in their uh, on their roster. And you, even if it's not perfect this year, there's still many years of success ahead if, if the right decisions are made. But I mean, the fact that they've, had such success over the last couple of years and then to get that blow to slip into the playing tournament and then get knocked off it would just it would be it would be a real dagger blow and it wouldn't be out of the question to maybe see Brad Stevens come under some pressure if that if that is the way that it goes
0: I think so and because when you think about it when you look at situations like this, um as we come closer to to the moment uh I mean, this feels like a it feels like a, a semester of school where you're fail a couple tests here and there you're still doing all right you can still get it to the final but if you don't if you don't get an A on that final I mean they're, they're running out of chances to to get this team together and I mean what are you going to do in the offseason I mean they're they're they move Tice and, it, and it's very apparent Robert Williams now is suffering a, a turf toe which is a very I mean, sometimes turf toe, you see these injuries, they go, goes away in a week, two weeks, but sometimes players have this for like a month. Robert Williams was being a very impactful player for them, both defensively and as a role man, um, which is huge, huge for them. I, I thought all year that he was going to be a huge X factor, but not having Tice there to be a stable um, source of minutes at the center position, just to duck the tax. I mean, that, that was a crazy move for me. I, mean, I, I understand from a financial business point of view, like maybe that's, you know, maybe they're not necessarily giving up the season, but maybe they see Ty says, all right, is he worth going to the tax? Is that really going to win us a championship, especially now that Brooklyn is there? Who knows? But that has definitely been a strain on them right now. And, and are you going to shake it up by making another move? Especially if, if like I said, you're, you're trying to duck the tax, you're not, you're not going to go into the luxury. Are you gonna trade players just to to shake things up? And I think the answer is probably no. And I, and I think if things don't go right, I think you're right. I think Brad Stevens, if you're gonna shake something up, it always starts with the coach. Rarely starts with the players.
1: Yeah, I think we saw that this year with uh, with, with Philadelphia. They they went made the made the switch a, a coach. Obviously, they traded Josh Richardson, but they didn't trade any kind of the 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 main trio, their main star trio, and Simmons and Bede and. Uh, and Harris, they were the kind of guys that kept together, and they made made the change uh, change of the coaching role. And obviously, it's, it's ha- had a positive impact. Obviously, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if it, it's really had the impact they were hoping. And uh, they come to the playoff time, but I think uh talking the Miami Heat, the fact obviously they're kind of the the rivals now for Boston of n- whether they're going to be in the play in tournament or not. I mean, obviously, their last year's finalists. They've struggled for consistency. They've kind of had a lot of different injuries. They got in all the depot, then they lost all the depot, but since the first of April they're gone they've gone 13 and 7 which is a very decent record and they're coming to crunch time and we all know that when it matters most that's when Jimmy Butler likes to step up and show his best stuff and that is why I'd be wor- most worried about the the the, the Celtics because I think this is Jimmy but this is Jimmy bucket's time this is when Jimmy Butler plays his best basketball when the pressure is on him he steps up and that's why I think that he will be able to uh to drive the Miami heat into, into the, the five or six position, or maybe, maybe even the four, who knows the Knicks are on a bit of a slide and they have some tough games still to come.
0: I'd absolutely do that. I pick, I pick them. Um, I mean, they, they got guys now like Trevor Reza, Andre Iguodala veterans who are going to have a more meaningful impact than, I mean, the Celtics are putting out guys like, um, it, oh my god I'm, I'm forgetting his name now because it's it's such repressed memory Who's the bum that we gave him from chicago <laughs> to the celtics oh thank god I, I can't remember his name i i don't want to remember his name i've got too many other things to worry about <laughs> but they're, they're putting out guys like jabari parker out there grant williams who's, who's played better he's, he's played better um but i mean
1: <laughs> jabari parker <laughs> What, what was the, what was the thinking there? what what was that
0: we I don't think we had the chance to talk about that when I saw that I was like what the hell are they doing what the hell are they
1: doing we don't they, need to talk won't. about that the probably doesn't deserve our time to be talking about that
0: but you the the Celtics haven't found any rhythm outside of their main guys they, they haven't found any real team chemistry in a way that I, I think that the heat have shown that they can't. When the Celtics win, it's off the it's off the backs of their best players, killing it in ISO, playing off of each other. But I mean, team wins have been rare; they've been far and few between for the Celtics. Miami Heat, I think, when they coalesce defensively, when Jimmy Butler is being a playmaker, when the shooters around him are playing well, um, I I think that you know you. It, it's going to be it's going to be a tough tough way to end the season but i i don't see the the Celtics prevailing over the heat if that's the way it shakes out
1: yeah obviously we said they, they play each other twice uh, uh, over the next the week week 10 days so uh, obviously they have the, they're going to have their chance right up against them going head to head uh, to to kind of make that make that move and show that they are they are good enough to uh to take their place uh, in, in the automatic uh, places to to make it into the playoffs and that's not completely it out obviously we're, we're kind of talking we're pretty high on the wizards but i mean they, if the celtics do end up in the play-in tournament uh they could very they would be easily absolutely walked at that, that first game and, and claim the seventh spot that wouldn't that that wouldn't be a crazy thing to happen either
0: no no you yeah you. you listen this far whether you fell asleep left your phone in the room or maybe you liked what you heard so please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week in the christmas spirit we are doing a special giveaway for our day one listeners and all you have to do is be subscribed to the pod follow us on twitter at coast nba and instagram at coast to coast nba podcast for a chance to win now back to the pod talking about the teams on the outside looking in moving down to what is a, a more personally relevant subject for myself um i mean look, look at you man that the knicks knicks, Arnie, knicks are sitting nice nice and comfortable real, real comfortable at the fourth seed, 37 and 30 man i we talk about it every week it seems but i i'm still just in awe um I mean, who who knows if if your team will still have the legs with RJ Barrett? Would he play forty two minutes in a loss last night? It's so a twenty plus loss.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess he's really just trying to get some uh, some some uh, mileage on on his on his young legs, you know.
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's he's gonna have thirty year old legs by by age twenty four, <laughs> but yeah, Knicks are sitting pretty. But teams like the the Bulls and Raptors, I mean, yeah. They're, I, the, the East is a little bit less interesting in terms of the playing tournament because I, I think they're looking for the lottery. I mean, the Bulls are are facing. Uh, I mean, they face Detroit and Toronto. Toronto's a, a toss up. We played pretty good against them, but then they have Brooklyn twice and Milwaukee, and then the Raptors. You know, they 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 have to beat the Grizzlies, the Clippers, the Mavs, and the Pacers. That maybe a little bit more doable, but both these teams, I think that they're, they're looking to, especially the way their seasons have gone look into the lottery, um, which I cannot wait to talk about because it pulls me away from the reality that we were robbed of the opportunity to be in the playing tournament here. Um, just unreal timing, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, Zach Levine, as soon as, as Vucevic gets going with this team, just the COVID protocols, man, they've, they've killed so many teams this year. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some young guys we haven't had the chance to um we just want to go over the top five here um and talk about you know some of their I want to talk about some of their fits um with these teams solidly in the lottery um, we saw plenty of movement last year what was what was New Orleans to get Zion I think they're 11th I want to say the 11th worst record and they jumped all the way up so really any of these teams have a shouting chance um my bulls for example I mean, they 11 seed in the East. They have a 27 percent chance at the top four to keep their pick. Um, so, why don't we talk about some players first? I mean, who's been the most impressive guy out of this class for you so far?
1: I think it's kind of hard to look past uh, look past Kate Cunningham. I think he is oh, yeah. uh, he is going to be the 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 number one uh, uh, point guard at of, of Oklahoma State. The guy's got size. He's got power, and he just looks like the the most the most elite player in this in this very very highly stacked draft class.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I don't like player comparisons all the time, but they're, they're a fun way to kind of contextualize it. I mean, you see shades of of Luka Doncic in the way that he uses his size. I mean, he's not the most explosive vertical athlete. He's not the um, fastest downhill athlete but he definitely has, he has a ball and a string. He knows how to use his body and get in the paint. And he's really good at using his size to, to score on smaller guards. Um, I mean, t- Tatum with his shot making ability for a guy his size, you, you think um, he doesn't have the, the same shooting ability this early on, but the way kind of Tatum early on showed that he he can have good footwork to get into step backs to shoot off the dribble. Um, Kate Cunningham has that same sort of uh, same sort of shooting ability. Uh, so I, I don't know, maybe he's a smaller, less athletic Simmons with a good jump shot. Is that a
1: good uh, Ben there? Simmons is able to <laughs> shoot? Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's the thing with him. I, like on, on paper, kind of the main thing you look at, he's great. Great passer. He's a great creator for for others. And you at the moment, we're still kind of. In the kind of era of it, he's got the potential to also become become a scorer. I mean, he shot he shot forty percent from deep uh, for in, in his uh, one year in college. So the the ability is is definitely there, and I think it'll just be interesting. I think especially if he ends up with Houston, I think that's obviously looking the most likely destination. Mm-hmm. You look at it, he's not going to be the the go to guy right away. I think he'll fit fairly well with with John Wall. In the backcourt, and I think as kind of the season progresses, you might see him kind of earn that little bit more responsibility. But I think that would be that'll be a good place for him to go and slot in, and it would be an area where you could kind of see him develop that scoring that little that little bit more because there won't be as much pressure on him to be mm-hmm. a passer and a creator if he's playing alongside John Wall.
0: I'm interested in that, you know, because there's always this debate um, when you when you're thinking about fit. You know, the, the right thing for a lot of these teams in the lottery, especially Houston, um, especially Cleveland, who's I, I think I want to talk about a lot throughout these players, um, is that the right thing is to just pick for talent. For a lot of these teams, you're in the lottery for a reason. You don't have your superstar. You're looking, This is what you pick for, to find that superstar. But for a team like Houston, I mean, you you mentioned um, that they'd be the best fit. I, I don't know about that. I, I actually, you know, when I was looking at some of these teams, I felt like, you know, John Wall's going to be there for the next few years. They're not gonna trade off of him unless they, I mean, they're not gonna buy him out either. I I don't think John Wall has a realistic way of getting out of there unless a crazy trade is made. But, you know, you don't not draft Cade Cunningham for John Wall, but I think there's other talents in this draft that might fit Houston better. That, you know, do, do, do you play Cade at the three and you have him as a secondary playmaker? I think also, I mean, Houston's going to be looking at uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and his playmaking ability this year and think, you know, we we have a secondary playmaker. So does that make Cade a tertiary playmaker? Does that kind of mute his natural? I mean, his star ability is going to be the fact that as a big guy, he can play make for others. I mean, John Wall's not an off-ball scorer. Mm -hmm. Kevin Porter Jr. is best as a shot creator. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough fit there. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think I yeah, I get that point. I, I guess that that it could come down to kind of how invested they are in, in Kevin Porter Jr. Obviously, had the the, the troubles uh, before before coming to Houston, but he's he stepped up. He's had some big games, uh, obviously, in what's been a difficult difficult year for for the Rockets as a whole. And I guess that one would just depend on on what way they actually view Kevin Kevin Porter Jr. I think maybe they might they might even look to, to like just uh, obviously kate Cunningham is likely the, the most talented uh, and probably should be the number one pick but the talent that's in this draft there's other guys that you could look to and it would not be a mistake to draft them at the number one spot either yeah if, 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 if it ends up being Houston which is which is looking likely
0: yeah I mean for kate I think I just want to see him somewhere where he can really have the most impact where he can have the ball in his hands I mean when you watch when you watch him at um OSU. I mean, he only averaged 3.5 assists per game. And if you watch his potential assists, I mean, the guy should have been getting eight, nine assists a game. I mean, off the pick and roll, his ability to find the third, fourth guy in each play to whip it to any part of the court. I mean, as a playmaker and that early on, taking on double teams, facing every type of um, pick and roll coverage and reading and breaking down uh, the defense. And it was, it was really impressive to watch. And I think that's why I, I compare him um, somewhat to Luka Doncic because he's just so patient in the pick and roll and he knows how to, how to read the defense correctly. Um, and if he can do that early on in the NBA and get that experience, I, I think that's really going to unlock his potential. So you throw him a, on a team like Houston, you throw him on a team like Sacramento, um, like Cleveland, where they already got two mm-hmm. playmakers there. You, you don't get to see that impact that he has as a primary uh playmaker um i don't know you, you put him on a team like new orleans where he can be the primary point guard lonzo can slide at the two um i think the way that shea Gilgis alexander showed that he can be a secondary playmaker alongside guys like cp3 and Schroeder, i think he'd be awesome there um but yeah i mean you're right i mean he's he's the safest bet to have both short-term and long-term impact while having the most star talent potentially out of this draft class so I think it would be dumb for anyone to pass on him at number one, regardless of the fit there. But I mean, I think selfishly, when we talk about these guys, we want to see how successful they can be. You hope that he goes somewhere where he's going to have the ball in his hands full time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think obviously one team where we're not going to talk about too much because it's, it's looking likely that they might not even keep their pick. But I think Minnesota might uh, would kind of be a cool place to see to see him go if, if it's possible that that Minnesota get get extremely lucky again.
0: Yeah, I mean they they sh- they have a good chance to stay in the top three. I mean, even I, I think they've entered the best case scenario where they've they've lost enough games and their their schedule's tough enough where they can have performances like this from Anthony Edwards and not feel too bad about it, like they're winning too many games. So hopefully they stay in that in that top three right there. But um, but having a playmaker like like Cade. You're right. That'd be amazing. I mean, t- Toronto as well. I, I, I look at, at how Fred Van Vliet can play off the ball. Yeah. Um, Gary Tranjuri can play off the ball. You got a uh, Siakam as a, as a great option as a pick and roll guy. Um, but at the end of the day, I've Cade Cunningham. He's, he's the gem of this draft in my mind. In the instant gem. Some of these other guys are, are fascinating superstar potentials but I think Cade you know he gets in the right situation that's it's, it's not going to be a question of how it's gonna be a question of when
1: yeah I think yeah I think that's that's something that, that we can agree on and uh, moving moving on to to uh a, a, bit, a, a bit more of a, tra- a traditional big man uh, compared to to, to to Cade uh a likely number two pick for me be e- e- Evan Mobley that uh, All right we're on the same wavelength here man yeah, okay feeling it okay I had him too I had him too where where do you think would be the, the best the best fit for, for a guy like Mobley?
0: Um he he could fit in a lot of these teams here. Um I think most obviously Toronto. I mean they've been dying for a good big. I mean, all year long. That's that's been their huge need is, is a center. Um, I mean, it is fit with the team, it's just undeniable. I mean, the front court pairing with him and Siakam, you have two elite health defenders, and I mean he can switch too. I mean, don't don't look at him as a, as just a shot blocker, seven footer. I mean, he can really flip his hips. He can really um, move his feet against smaller guards. I mean, obviously this is at the college level, but he's shown that he has the, the lateral quickness to do it. So, I mean, the defensive potential between him and Siaka, I mean, is, is unreal. And, Obviously, the the spacing and, and pick and roll action with Fred VanVleet and Gary Chen Jr. I, I think that would be a really exciting fit out in Toronto, um, especially a team too where you know they have leaders on that team. Uh, Evan Mobley's really, and, and this I think personality is something we don't talk about enough with, with these young guys. I mean, Cade Cunningham's a, a bona fide leader. He's he's a, he's a bona fide uh, competitor. Evan Mobley's an amazing talent, but he doesn't really have that sort of main guy mentality i think he really needs to grow into that and having guys like fred van lead around him um leaders and coaches like nick nurse would be huge huge for his development and a really really interesting uh thing about if he gets picked at toronto is i see a lot of chris bosh in this guy ability to stretch the floor ability to play back to the basket but also the ability to put the ball on the floor i think i mean i think already he has better better handles than chris bosh had um Anthony Davis is a little bit generous, but I mean, just that same, you know, freakish long athlete, he's seven feet, he's a little thin at two, 215, but that 7'4 wingspan, I mean, just the way that he waits in the paint with a 40 inch vertical, I mean, he's blocking shots everywhere. Um, so I mean, I, I see Toronto, I think New Orleans would be fantastic, having a center who can space the floor while also protecting the paint. I mean, Zion's Zion's shown that, you know, he's not the best paint protector at his, at his height and his position. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that with a lot of teams here, you know, he's going to fit well, except for maybe in Minnesota, Minnesota, mm. maybe even Houston. Um, you want to see somewhere where a guy like this is going to get enough chances to succeed as a primary pick and roll big and um, give him chances to actually develop his tools.
1: Yeah, the only reason you'd like to see him in uh, in Minnesota is just because he would bring he he be an upgrade on the on the very very poor defense that they have. But uh, that's that's when you look at him, he, he's a defensive anchor and he got that quickness, not that length, uh, in his rim protection and in his switching, which is so huge for them. And that's why I think a likely destination for him is going to be o- Oklahoma City. I think they're a team that are in no rush to 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 accelerate their, their rebuild. They've got a young team. And this is a guy that they can bring in. He can become their defensive anchor. And at the same time, he's got some serious offensive upside and they can just work on developing that. Well, you know you're going to get the defense and you'll be, you're be you able to work with him on on getting the, the most out, out of his uh, his offensive game. I think it, it could be a really cool fit in, uh, in Oklahoma City and just the but the other guys that are there i think he'd be he'd be a really cool combo and a re, it'd be really cool to watch watch the development of, of that team if you added in uh, uh evan mobley to the fold
0: we haven't talked enough about poku but poku and evan mobley is just too much i mean poku has shown he's a really really good um health defender he swat shots with that long long frame you're gonna have two seven footers one at the wing and and one in the paint that would be really really tough length to to defend against uh, if he went to OKC Um, I I think for Evan Mobley that the biggest thing for him is he needs to get somewhere where he can really be developed because I mean that that was my biggest con for him I, I look at him he has absolutely everything Um, except for maybe that that size the the ability to he's going to get eaten up by guys like well who doesn't Embiid Jokic but big any bigger players he really needs to put on a lot of weight but his cons is that he can just be so passive at times and he's really going to need a a team around him that's going to help him succeed I mean, if he's I think that's been a big problem with the the Bulls for example is they've had guys like Wendell and, and Lowry that don't really look for their own shot they can't create for themselves and can be passive at times and not having a good point guard around him I think wherever he goes he really needs to have um good guard play around him to play make for him and and really help him develop in that first year um I'm gonna guess that we probably have the third the same as well who you got Jalen sucks absolutely absolutely there's, there's no doubt about it right <laughs> and I, I honestly think for, for Jalen and Mobley I I put them, you know, it's, it's going to come down to fit. Are you looking for yeah. a big, you looking for a guard at that, at that second pick. Um, but you, know, you, you have comparisons, you, you name them. I, I think one of my favorite ones is uh, it's kind of, kind of a John Wall, his shades of John Wall. in terms of his, his open, his speed in the open court, his ability to, to pass off a live dribble at that speed, um, his physicality getting to the rim. Um, but one of the one of the interesting things about him is that i don't know if you knew this but he was actually he was a top 20 he was almost the top 20 23rd best uh qb in the country in the 2020 recruiting class he actually could have played at osu um so i hate these guys (laughs) but you see it on the court he's a competitor you see that football mentality how physical he gets not just getting to the rim, but also being a physical defender. I mean, in terms of a point guard, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see any, besides he needs to work on his shot, he needs to work on his mid-range. He's not as creative as, as some of these other guys in terms of creating his own shot. But, I mean, he's just a reliable playmaker. He's super athletic. He's got size. He's a natural leader. Like, you, you can't really make a better point guard than that in a top five draft class.
1: No, I think that's a big thing with him. When you look at him play and just kind of seeing the the, uh, the scouting points you kind of look at him, you kind of think good off-ball scorer and a guy that's capable of dovetailing well with other dominant guards. And that's why it could be interesting if he's still on the board and say Minnesota end up with the, in the fourth slot and that's obviously going to Golden State. I think that he mm-hmm. could be a really interesting fit uh if a golden state that would be it would be a real 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 lucky for for golden state if they end up getting a, a guy of this guy's talent but uh that's i think he's got he's got serious ability and, and a real competitive defender for for his size as well like he's he's well known for for making big plays and, and forcing turnovers on the defensive end even even though he's only uh he only stands about six four but
0: only six four?
1: Yeah, saying oh, you're getting, you're getting too
0: close. You're getting too used to these six eight point cards. We're like, ah, he's only he's only six four. That's a russell. He's Russell Westbrook size, man.
1: Yeah, I no, you 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 you're, you're getting getting too uh, getting too exposed to all these these big guys who are playing playing at the guard position now. You know. <laughs> but Just I think, six, four. He's, he's he's only uh, yeah. only
0: only two hundred pounds. Six
1: four. Small <laughs> but, uh, guy. Yeah, that, that's gonna be an interesting one. And I think it, it with the top three, even the top four uh, guys in this draft, I think it's gonna come down to fit. I think they're outside of Kate Cunningham, I definitely think that uh the, the two three four spot could be filled, like it could be a kind of a mix and match between uh Mobley, Suggs, and then I've got I got Jalen Green and at, at the four. I think those kind of the, those guys, just depending on who who ends up with the pick, it's gonna be interesting to see how how the uh, how the spots fall.
0: Yeah, and the fifth thing—that's that's what I'm saying, man. It's gonna be very interesting because look at Cleveland. If Cleveland gets into the top two, are they taking Cade Cunningham or Jalen Sucks? I, how bought are they? How bought in are they to Sexland?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess that's that's when we'll see. That's that's kind of that'll be that would be the the, the 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 telling point there. Uh, if that's where if they end up in, 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 with a top two pick, whether they go even a top three pick, if, if Mob if Mobley ends up going in the top two and they and Suggs is still on the board, it would be be real interesting to see to see what what move that that the Cavs would make. That's going to be a that that could be a, a, a real real interesting one to keep an eye on. And now in Cleveland they they usually like to get like they usually, they usually like to get involved in the in the dramatic uh, high high lottery picks, you know
0: and um, yeah like Anthony Bennett yeah um and another situation for for Cleveland um what what do, what do they do if they have Jalen Green on the board he's the best player I, mean, I, I want to talk about him next
1: mm.
0: how is he he's not going to fit really with Sexland he's not gonna and you're not going to play him at the three Okoro's there for you drafted Okoro kind of really to to make up for the the defensive um mistakes of um, Sexton and Garland there, um, and he's starting to improve as the season goes on there. Not that you, not that you completely buy into him, but I, I don't think he's necessarily the guy. If Jonathan Kaminga comes off the board before Jalen Green, and say say they're 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 picking fifth there, and Jalen Green is still there, I, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure if they if they just take him or they kind of just figure it out later, because that that's. Their roster is currently constructed. I don't think it fits that at all.
1: No, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm the, the, the Cavs, obviously it depends on what, obviously, you know, I, I'm bought in on, on Sexland. Obviously it depends <laughs> on what they think of it. But if they're bought in on Sexon and they end up with uh, a top three, top four pick, I think the maybe the best move for them is to look for a trade. I think that would be I, I Down.
0: Mean, yeah.
1: the smartest thing for them to do. Find the guy that. Well, I don't fits. know about the smartest thing. That might be what okay, they yeah. do. <laughs> maybe not. The, maybe not the smartest thing. Well, if they're bought, if they're bought into the 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 backcourt of uh of of Sexland and they've got uh, they obviously have Okoro, they got the Jared Allen in there. I think they gotta they gotta go out and get an, an experienced guy who who fits the team, who, who fits the mold of the team that they're trying to build. That I think if they end up in that in that sort of position, either they are brave and just go and pick the best guy available. Cause obviously this is a very talented draft class or they say we like what we have. And I think we could get a, a, a very decent player for, for, for this pick. And, and that one that could, can help our team develop uh, instantly rather than just uh, get getting another rookie.
0: Oof. I, I think that would be, that would be an awesome, an awesome move for whoever's moving up mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I think so many, so many times mistakes like this happen, and because and because the the way this team is constructed, you have that illusion of okay, we, we need to build around this what we're invested in, um, but sunk cost fallacy affects so many of these teams because you, you think about okay, well we we're working around two small guards here, but we got to keep building with it. But I think the reality is that that's what's going to hamstring them is that they don't have the flexibility with the type of players that they have. Not only on the court to change things up, but when you're choosing to team build, they are kind of limited as to you know who's who's the what, what kind of player are we going to work with here uh, because of the the players they have. Um, so I, so anyone like Suggs, Green, Cade, even I, I like even Cade, I I really hope they wouldn't. Well, I hope they would because that would be hilarious to me. But if if they if they made a move like they're so invested in on that you know K doesn't make sense because you know you want him to be the primary playmaker, Suggs doesn't make sense, maybe Green Green definitely doesn't make sense. Then that would be a ridiculous ridiculous move. That you know what I would I would pretty much expect from Cleveland an organization like that. Yeah. Who do We have it four. You have, you have or You got Green at four.
1: I've got I've got I've got green. I've got I've gone green number four.
0: All right. I don't know if you you check my notes or something. Actually, I don't know. Maybe maybe these are pretty obvious. I I think that maybe the top five is a little bit more obvious than I thought. But
1: I think, yeah, like we keep saying, it's just gonna depend on fit, really, where where these guys end up. But I think the top five is set just there, the the order is not not at a hundred percent.
0: But Jalen Green, he's he might be the most interesting player in the draft for me because I'm, I'm not sure where he's going to end up down the line. I don't think he's going to be a very good player early on. He's not going to be a um, rookie of the year type candidate, um, but his athleticism and his natural shot making ability but also like his, his worker's mindset. I mean, you, you listen to him talk um, to Mike Schmitz. You, 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 see how he's grinded in the uh, G league, um, him and Jonathan Kaminga deciding to, to go to the G league to really have an instant impact at the next level. I, I think is going to be a model for um, years to come. I think a lot of stars are going to try to do that because they're already battling against guys like Amir Johnson and, and long-term NBA vets and, If Jalen Green comes into his rookie year and he's put on some weight, he's gotten better on defense, I mean, you're going to see that he's instantly going to be one of the best athletes on the floor at the two-guard position. I mean, you you see Levine in him. You see Bradley Beal in him. You see a young Ray Allen in him. The way that he has a quick first step, can shoot from anywhere. Um, It's just his frame for me at this point. But his his potential as a pure scorer is really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I think I'm kind of on on, on the same boat there. It's kind of like he's definitely capable of elite scoring, which he has shown. I just wouldn't call him an elite scorer. I think that's something we're going to have to to wait and see on. But like, you just even look the numbers that he put up in the G League. Uh, With 18 points, uh, he was averaging uh, one and a half steals, shooting 46% from the field and 37% from three. Like this guy has got serious scoring potential and. I keep going back to him. He's he's seriously athletic. He can also he can create. He has got size. He need he does need to put on some weight. He's got good size though for for a guard. I, I like uh, I like that the uh, around around six six. It's just if he needs to put on the, the the right sort of weight. Needs to kind of build it up so he can have that. He can just kind of give himself the best platform to to really show his best stuff on, on both ends of the court.
0: Yeah. And you know, he's small, but I mean, he plays physical for his size. You, you see him yeah. get posted up. He, he's not afraid to really put his his body on the line there. Um, he's not afraid of contact. And, you know, in terms of mentality, you know, I, I think I was really impressed with how he, he looks at his game. He's the best. I think the best players in the league, again, talking about personality over just physical traits, I think the best players in the league are the guys who are really critical of their game, guys who they watch film, and they are automatically picking out parts of their game where, you know, they know where they need to improve and they know what they're trying to do. And for him to, to come out and say, he wants to be a better passer, he wants to be a better defender um, and he wants to be more physical. I think, I mean, those are the exact things that it's just a GM you want to hear. You want to hear a guy like him to round out his game more, show that he's a two way player um, in the same way that Levine's trying to do just last year, this year. If if Green's figuring that out and and making that same sort of jump, um, I I think he fits into a lot a lot of teams here. I mean, Detroit needs a go to score. OKC needs a go to score. Orlando definitely needs it. I mean, Sacramento. I'd I'd much rather be seeing him with the ball than Buddy Hield, and Toronto too. I mean, what's interesting about Toronto is that they they seem like this. uh, They're built in such a way that they can. Absorb, just about anyone who can do something with the ball in their hands. I mean, they, they are in such an awesome team construct that whether it's a star or one of these young stars, um, they could really fit there.
1: Do you think he could fit in with? Do you think it would be possible to to fit him in in Chicago? Do you think it'd be possible to no. fit him with with Levine? now?
0: No, I, I think <laughs> Levine's shown that he's he's gotten a lot better as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a good playmaker now. I mean, he, he can make he can make good reads off the pick and roll. Um, he's a willing passer for sure, but uh, he's not a natural playmaker. I think what what Chicago really needs, um, thanks for asking, I've been waiting this whole time. But I think what Chicago really needs is number one, they have to get in the top four. I mean, if, if the lottery balls roll the right way and they have a 26% chance, 26.3 right now, um, percent chance at it, and they get in the top four, I mean, to get a guy like like Suggs or Cade, that, that's the move. Yeah. Kamingo and Green, I, I think th- those two guys, they're really going to need playmakers for them. They're going to need somebody to, to set the table for them. You got guys like Kobe and Levine and Vucevic who, I mean, are dying to have playmakers like that. Um, and whether that comes in free agency or that's going to be one of these young guys, I, I think they need to, to find somebody who's a playmaker. But again – a lot's gotta go right that win last night was nice against the Celtics but it really hurts when you're uh when you're hoping that maybe you keep your pick
1: yeah i think i think the the nick there the bulls might might just be uh might be uh their time to just to, to for the for the for the uh, things to go their way uh, in, in, turn, in in the draft lottery i think they they, they deserve it They, they they've, they've they've gone a while now what's what was it d rose d rose their last uh their Thousand... last, their last year's pick, yeah, no. 20,
0: 20, 2011
1: 2010, 2011, yeah,
0: 20. No, it's 20, 2009. 2009, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but for for the Bulls, you know, I, I don't have a lot of hope in it. But I, if we can get one of these playmakers, that's going to be the biggest thing for me. Um, let's talk about Jonathan Kaminga, kind of a Siakam and Anobi brown type of player he's actually cousins with Emmanuel Moutier came from the the DRC and I mean you, you watch this guy he's just he's a terrorizing downhill attacker loves to attack the rim also he has this weird tendency to get to the step back but it actually looks pretty good I mean he's not a very efficient shooter right now but in terms of physicality, 6'8, 210, seven foot wingspan. He's that perfect tweener. Um, looks like a Patrick Williams type player. Um, for a physical wing, I mean, I don't know what else you, you ask for in terms of a prospect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the big thing. And like, he's got speed, power, athleticism. Uh, and like you see, he's, he's shown that he's a very creative scorer. He's got great, great variety in, in his offensive game. And the fact that he is still just 18 years old, like he's probably yeah. still, he's probably still going to grow a little bit as well. Like he's still, he's still got so much time to go before you can really even judge him uh, and say like, Oh, this is going to be, his like the complete package or he's not going to be there. Like he's still got the, those couple of years where you before you can even really make the, the final call on, on a talent like this. And obviously, you mentioned kind of the the percentages shooting wise, it kind of lacked. But it's because he's still such such a young guy. But and he he take, took on the challenge of going to the G League, like you said, and he he was a he was a solid performer. And I think I'm not sure where I see the best fit for him. I'm not sure if I see it in a team. Maybe with some, some that have a few vets around them that will help him develop more or just a team that are in a rebuild and they've only got young guys and that's the best play for, I'm not really sure what way I see it, see it working out best for him in the NBA.
0: He's, I think the, a a fallacy of a lot of, a lot of scouting is going to see his inefficient shooting, Mm -hmm. um, as a reason that maybe he should, his best position is at the four playing off the ball. Um. Being a tertiary playmaker. Um, but I I think he's got so much talent and he's got a lot of fluidity for a tweener. I think he can play at the four and and he he'd be a mismatch nightmare there. But I think he's he's gonna be similar to to guys like uh Cade and guys like um Suggs, who you you're gonna need to, you want to the ball to go through them. And I think he needs to go somewhere where you can have him live through those mistakes. I mean, I, I thought he'd be an excellent fit in OKC Mm -hmm. for that reason. I I thought he'd be um, a a much better fit somewhere like uh, New Orleans um, where I think they really need a wing for, for the Pelicans to lose Zion at this point in time, it almost seems like a necessary loss in order to sink their chances a little bit Mm -hmm. because New Orleans hasn't had a good wing in a while. And there's some good wings in this draft, Um, not just in the top five, Um, but Kamiga, I think, you know, he's that modern type of uh, NBA wing. So I, I don't think he's really gonna have a problem fitting in anywhere outside of maybe teams like Chicago. You already have Patrick Williams. You Can't really develop two guys like that at once. Um, Washington, how bad do they want to develop Denny? How, mm. how invested are they in Rui? Um, Orlando, you know they're invested in Jonathan Isaac. Um, where do they see him playing? are they going to share three and the four but you know these are all really really easy questions to to deal with you know if, if it, at the end of the day you're, you're picking in the top five here
1: yeah I think that's kind of the, the main thing like no matter no matter who you end up getting if you're in the top five in this this year's draft class you're going to be getting you're getting some serious talent I think that's a that's something that is that is very clear
0: good, good problems to have for sure. Um, but man, how about the magic? I mean, they're, they're they sold off on their talent this year and they did it in a stack draft class. I mean, imagine if they have their pick in the top four and the bulls pick drops to five In in yeah. a stacked class, they get two of these, two of these guys here It's possible.
1: Yeah, no, that that that's, that's the kind of the, the, the cool one to, to, to keep an eye on. It's kind of almost something you, you almost kind of forgot about it, uh, and it's something that you'll only start kind of hearing as we move closer towards uh, towards lottery time. But yeah, that like that's that is far more likely than I think um, the Bulls and other teams want to want to believe is the case. <laughs>
0: yeah, and the Warriors too. I mean, they're they're going to be salivating if the Bulls fall out of the top top three, and say the Warriors they have their pick. You know, top maybe they're in the top. Uh, they end up in 15, 16, say they come out of the, the play, play-in tournament, they didn't make it, and they hop f- further out in the lottery. They have two picks this year, and then they have Wiseman, they have Wiggin's salary filler. The noise is going to continue to be coming up that they should be making a move as Clay Thompson reaches, you know, maybe this could be last couple of years that they have for the Splash Brothers. Yeah, That's going to be really interesting to me, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be cool to see what their what their kind of feelings are at the moment. But obviously, what we keep hearing is that LeBron is gonna start recruiting uh, Steph to come over and play in the Lakers. Ugh. Ugh. I, I, I wish I I wish I could just look at it and say that's the biggest out of bullshit ever. But after the whole Harden, <laughs> after everything we had with James Harden, I I kind of wow. I, I, I kind of have that in my head that's like this is it, it, it's there, there there is a five percent chance of this this actually being true. I honestly don't see it,
0: man. I mean, uh, it's a conversation for another day for sure. But I mean, for the longest time, Curry's always been a staunch, um, you know, he's, he's staunchly said that he's going to stay with the Warriors his whole career. He's always said that. And, you know, I, I think for a guy like him who's already, he's already won championships. He's already um, been an MVP. He's, I mean, he's yet to win a finals MVP, but I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to doesn't have a whole lot to prove.
1: Well, that was just that whole thing with the stupid finals MVP. Like know, Iguodala winning the finals MVP. I think. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, if, the, if the world is gonna end, <laughs> who, <laughs>
0: who would you want to take the shot at the end? And right, let's end it there. Let's end it with that ridiculous thing. This is a a long episode, but a necessary one. It's been a while since we talked some ball. Um, finally jumping into these young guys, and there's a whole lot of other players to talk about. We're, we're, as, as the Bulls continue to sink, I'll, I'll definitely be watching some, some more tape on uh, all the talent that's available. But who knows? Maybe things, maybe things hash out the way that it should have, and, and, I, and we make it in, and we see you in the playoffs. But in, until then, I think you guys will be uh, just a relaxed cruising into the playoffs, not, not too worried about anything.
1: No, we're feeling good. We've got our first winning season since since twenty thirteen. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> we're we're we we're, we're, we're feeling good. No matter what happens from here, it's a ginormous improvement from it's house
0: money. You're playing with house money. First Absolutely. first round, exit, first round, whatever. You're just there. <laughs>
1: that's all that's what it's all about this year. Just just about getting there and we're yeah. loving it.
0: All right, man. Well we'll be back on next week uh to talk about the we'll definitely be talking about then the the final uh shakeout for the play-in tournament and i think we'll keep talking about some of these young guys but we'll be sure to cover the nba coast to coast again and we'll see you next time
1: on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember
0: take every shot
1: and love every moment